0: Well, you guys probably know the name of Sir Arthur Doyle. Does that ring a bell? Oh, my gosh. It doesn't? Am I getting that old? He was the author of the Sherlock Holmes mystery books. And he apparently had quite a sense of humor. So he had an idea one day that he was going to have some fun with some of his friends... And so he sent a telegram. Now, now for those of you who are young, think in terms of an email or a text. So he reached out to these 12 friends of his. Each of them were considered very virtuous, very successful, very, very well-respected men of his day in his world. And here's what the telegram said. It said, flee or run. All has been discovered. That's all it said. And to his surprise, within 24 hours, all 12 men had left the country. Now here was the, here was the reality. They had secrets. They had secrets that they hoped that nobody would ever discover, nobody would ever find out. And friends, that's true for each and every one of us. We all have secrets. And I've heard it said that we're only as healthy as our secrets. And what happens with our secrets, they tend to be around things that have to do with with our failure, with our sin, and they're things that create shame within us. And so what happens is these, these secrets that are based in shame, they become something that creates a wall in our relationships with people. Because this is a wall that we, we build so that people never discover who we truly are. Because our fear is, if they know these things about us, our fear is if they discover these things that are true about us, that they won't love us, they'll reject us. And I want to suggest to you, as we look at the scripture this morning, that what God has to say is, that when we are freed from these secrets, they can be disempowered, hear this, you ready? As we confess our sins to one another. Now that's scary stuff. But it's the way to intimacy, it's the way to depth, it's the way to freedom in our relationships, it's the way to freedom in our own lives. Because as we confess to one another, we hear the truth of the gospel, we hear the truth of of God's amazing grace, and it sets us free. We're in a series in which we're talking about how we discover authenticity and our relationships with one another. God created us to love. He is a God of love. We were created in his image. And so in love, we learn How to relate to God. In love, we learn how to relate to one another. We were created to love and to be loved, but sin has destroyed that. It has marred that in our lives. We struggle to love God. We struggle to receive love from God. We struggle to love each other, even in our most intimate relationships, even in our marriages and in our homes, even in the relationship that we have with our parents and with our children. We struggle. For authenticity and what we've seen in this series is that the reason for this is that our love is often based upon what has been modeled for us in the world what we see on television what we grow up with in our schools even what is modeled for us often in the home i believe that god created family so that we would learn intimacy intimacy He created family so that we would learn how to love and to be loved. And we are to be a fellowship of believers. We are to be a church in which we are known for our love for one another. The world hungers to love and to be loved. They just don't know how to discover it. They don't know how to experience it. We have the answer. We have experienced it. And so we need to be a fellowship of Christians, a church in which we model and we practice love for one another. What we have seen in this series is that in the New Testament, there are 59 one anothering statements. And they're statements about how we are to one another, one another. We are to practice these virtues, we are to practice these commands in our homes, in our churches and in the world. And we are to teach the world how to love one another. We are to teach the world by our example what real love looks like so that they will hunger and thirst for what we have, for what we have encountered through the power of our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you as we Consider this one anothering statement here this morning, and that is this. This is a brand new, you're going to have to stay with me because I don't know if it's working. Is that me or you? No, it is me. I don't think so. Okay, here's what we're going to do. You guys don't listen. I'm going to do this. And then you go forward. Let's see if we can do it. I'm going back. Oh. It's new. Give me a break here. I'm just learning. Thank you. Thank you. They don't teach you this in seminary. Okay. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in James chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. Now, this is a passage That we think we understand, but we really don't understand it. We think we know what it's teaching, but we really don't know what it's teaching. It's one that's often misused, misapplied, misquoted. So here it is. Beginning in verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We see this in verse fifteen, uh, verses 15 and first part of verse 16 we see actually two one-anothering statements. It says, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. This is one of the 59 one-anothering statements. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, what I want to do is I want to break down this, well, this teaching. And what I want you to see is as we break this down, I want us to understand what it's saying. Once we understand what it's saying, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how it is that we can begin to be a people that confess our sins, confess our failures, confess our brokenness to one another. And I know that sounds like a very scary thing to do, but I'm going to explain what this looks like in the church. And you're going to see, hopefully, the power of this and the freedom of this. Listen to what we read in verses 15 and 16. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's break this down. Number one. Sick does not refer in this passage to physical illness. What it is referring to is spiritual weakness, to spiritual failure. The context would would tell us that this passage is really focusing on spiritual brokenness. Now, this, as many of you know, most of the New Testament was written in the Greek language. This word here, sick, is only found one other time. The Greek word here that's found here for sick is only found one other time in the New Testament. And in that time, it very clearly is not referring to physical illness. It's not referring to physical sickness. It's referring to spiritual failure, to what we call sin. Now, here's what, here's what we're talking about here. And I want to just read a list of different things that fit this category of spiritual brokenness. Now, what I want to suggest to you is that spiritual brokenness impacts my relationship with God, as we'll see in just a moment. But it also impacts my relationships with other people. I cannot have intimacy in my marriage if I'm hiding, if I have secrets, if I'm covering myself, if I'm hiding behind a wall. I can't have intimacy in my friendships if I'm hiding. I'm only as healthy as my secrets. And so what we see here is our failure, our brokenness in many different areas. And friends, we spend a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of attention On making sure people don't really know who we are. Why? Again, it's because we feel shame at a deep level. And I'll say more about that in a moment. But because of the shame that we feel at a deep level in our lives, we build walls to keep people at a distance. So here are just a list of a few of the different things that this passage, the sickness, can be referring to. A lack of trust in God. A lack, and, and maybe it's even anger at God. Disappointment with God because I prayed about that and it didn't happen. She still died. He still died. And God has disappointed me. Manipulation. Many of us are manipulative because we don't feel safe and we want to make sure that we feel safe. So we, make, we try to control the relationships that we have in life so that we can't be hurt. Resentment. Hate. Anger, violence, revenge, selfishness, greed, pride. And this just describes me. Apathy, vanity, stubbornness, materialism, deceitfulness, deception, lying, jealousy, gossip and slander. A critical or a judgmental spirit. Lust, fornication, adultery, pornography, the occult, fortune telling, wrong relationships. Pleasing people rather than pleasing God addictions, stealing, dishonesty. This list is not complete. We are all broken people. Jesus said, I came for those who understand their need for a physician. And when I came to Jesus as a teenager, what I understood was my need, my deep need to have my sins forgiven. That's what drove me to Jesus as he drove me by his spirit and revealed himself to me. I recognized that my life was broken. I recognized that I lived a defeated life or was living a defeated life. And there's great power when we understand that Jesus died for all of that. And so what, what James is talking about in this passage are weak, defeated believers and there's times in our lives when that describes all of us, when we're, we feel weak and we feel defeated, we feel broken. And so Jesus, uh, Jesus says through this passage in James, he says this, therefore, confess your sins to one another. There's power in this as we'll see in a moment. But the second thing I want you to see is that sin that is confessed will be forgiven by the Lord not some of it, not most of it, not just the stuff that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but all of it. The blood of Jesus covers all. The blood of Jesus covers what? All, everything, everything. And so if we're not sure of it, maybe you're still thinking, well I don't know, I think this passage has to do with physical healing then why does does it say if they have sinned, they will be forgiven? Nowhere does the Bible say that all sickness is due to to our unconfessed sin. And so he's talking about spiritual wholeness and spiritual healing. Friends, I want to suggest to you, this is even more powerful than physical healing. More, More necessary, more powerful than physical healing is When our sins are forgiven and we can receive that truth in the depths of our souls. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. We read on and we see that the word healed here is a word that really means to be restored. Listen to what we read. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The word really is better translated as restored, so that you may be restored so that you may be made new again, so that you may begin fresh again. And so we read on and we see, therefore, James says, confess your sins to one another. Therefore, because of all that I have said, open your heart, open your life to one another. Friends, until we are willing to do this, there will be walls, even in our most intimate relationships. There will be walls in our marriage. I've known couples over the years that have had secrets, and it just becomes a wedge in their marriage. I remember a time when our family, um, we were going on a vacation. Our kids were now all off to college, and we all gathered in Miami To have a vacation together and it was the night uh, we were together the first night and I asked them a question I'd never asked them before I said okay guys girls and Scott here's what I want to ask you what is one thing you hoped mom and dad would never find out what a fun time we had together I mean it was actually very very funny because It all came out, and it was very, very healing. And we had this incredible conversation together about the importance of being real, of being genuine. Now, it was critical for us as parents and how we received that, right? We didn't shame them. We didn't attack them. What we did was we extended the grace of Jesus Christ to them. This is the power of confessing our sins to one another. So let's look at that together. Number one, remember that confessing our sins to one another is not natural to our sinful nature. We want to run, right? We want to hide. I don't want people to know some things about me because I'm ashamed of that. Well, where does that come from? Well, it's the very foundation of what happened in genesis 3 it's what happened when we sinned it's what happened when we ran from god listen to what happened at the very end of chapter 2 of genesis chapter 2 we read this great verse and they were naked the man and the woman were naked and not ashamed well that's a spiritual as well as a physical reality they weren't clothed but it's a spiritual statement There was no shame. There was no shame in the world. Because there was no sin in the world. And then the man and the woman, they disobey God. They think that their plan is better than God's plan. They don't trust him ultimately. And so they eat the forbidden fruit of the tree. Of the knowledge of good and evil. evil. And So what happens? It says that their eyes are opened. And they are ashamed. And so what do they do? Well, they do what you and I do. They hide. They hide from God. They hide from each other. And even they hide within themselves because instead of saying, yes, I did that, the man blames the woman, and the woman blames the serpent. It's denial, and it's the path of death. Jesus Christ came to reverse all of that. As a Christian, I don't need to hide anymore. I don't need to hide from myself. I can be real about who I am. I don't have to hide from you. I don't have to hide from my wife. I don't have to hide from my children. I can be real. I can be authentic. I can be genuine. Do you know how much freedom is in that? But I have to fight that because within me, I want you to respect me. I want you to like me. I want you to think that I'm something that I'm not. Right? Now, how is that healthy? How is that good? How will that lead to the kind of Christian community that we read about in the book of Acts? How will that lead to the kind of Christian community that God... Has called us to be together. One of the Bible studies that we, or a small group that we do here at Cross Point, is called Rooted. And Rooted is one of my favorite small group experiences. I haven't quite figured it out yet. I've done it six times. And there's great power in it. I always learn more, it always does something new and fresh in my life. And one of the weeks, week five, is my favorite week you know why because we talk about areas where we struggle with sin we talk about our areas of brokenness the men with the men the women with the women and we get real with each other and you'll see in a moment the power of this But what I want you to understand is it is not natural for for us to do what God is calling us to do. And so if there's a big part of you that's like, I don't want to do that, just know where it comes from. It comes from shame. And as long as shame is the power in your life, you will not be free. As long as shame is what's driving your life, you will not have intimacy in your relationships. These, this last year with, with COVID, we have seen, the world has seen the incredible need that we have as people to connect. The damage that was done over this past year relationally, nobody can measure. And it's beyond what we really understand today. It will be generations before they, as they look back and they see the impact. Not just of the disease itself, but of the impact that occurred in our lives because we were separated from one another. Well, God wants us to be more connected together than you can even imagine. His desire for Christian community, for, for intimacy and authenticity in our human relationships goes beyond anything that we've ever experienced or can imagine. One of my favorite preachers is Chuck Swindoll. I kind of grew up in that era of Chuck Swindoll. I'll tell you what I love about that man. Not only is he, you know, he's a great scholar, he's a great preacher, great teacher, on and on. All of that's a given. But what a lot of people don't know about him is his incredible humility. A friend of mine was at a conference with Chuck, and it was all pastors of large churches. And they're in a small group of about 12 of them. And all of them, as as they begin and introduce themselves, they're talking about all their great successes. You know, they're kind of puffed up, and they're showing how they're better than all the other pastors. It comes to Chuck Swindoll, arguably one, of the, arguably one of the top three pastors of the 20th century. And Chuck Swindoll introduces himself in light of his brokenness and his failures. All of a sudden, my friend said, the walls came tumbling down. And people started to say, yeah, you know, I'm really struggling too. I'm really hurting too. Can you see the power of that? Can you see the freedom that started to happen in that room for these pastors when they were able to acknowledge, I'm broken too. I'm struggling too. I need you in my life to speak into my life. But it all started with humility of one man who said, I'm not going to allow shame to destroy what could be An incredible moment for the kingdom of God. What what would happen if that was our attitude in our marriages? In our homes? In our friendships? In our church? Here's the next thing I want you to see. The power of publicly confessing our sins is this. Number one you will experience God's amazing grace. What is God's amazing grace? It's God loving us even when we're unlovable. It's God forgiving us even when we think we're unforgivable. It's God accepting us even when the world is rejecting us. It's God embracing us when everybody else is kind of moving away from us. Now, how do we experience that by confessing our sins to each other? Well, here's what happens. I tell you, I tell you in a very trusting, and we'll say more about that in a moment, a very trusting group, I tell you something that is true about me, something I'm struggling with in my life, a sin that's just kind of overcoming, overwhelming me, and I share my brokenness with you. What happens? My brothers and sisters, pray for me. I have people in my life beyond my wife, men in my life that are, who know me through and through and they pray for me, they hold me accountable. Do you see the power of that? And so when I share my brokenness with them, I what I hear from them is a reminder of the gospel that Jesus Christ died for that, that God forgives me and Jesus forgives me as well. And when I hear those words, it empowers me, it heals me, it renews me, it restores me. Why? Because it's true. And now, through their love for me, they are living out the love that Christ has for me. I can't physically touch God, but my brothers and sisters in Christ can put their hands on me, pray over me, love me, accept me, receive me, And now I better understand the grace of God. It's powerful. I know because I've experienced it numerous times. And they make a commitment to pray for me and to hold me accountable. I need that in my life. I need people who love me enough to tell me the truth. I need people who care enough about me That they are gonna pray for those areas where I am weak, where I am vulnerable, where the enemy wants to destroy my Christian witness. And they pray for me and they stand with me, and I pray for them and I stand with them. There's incredible power in this, friends. Of all places in the world, the church should be the place where we are safe to be who we are. Of all places in the world, the church should be the greatest place of intimacy and authenticity in relationship. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to hide. Because Christ died for it all. Amen? That is the beauty of what we're talking about. And then it restores deep and authentic community what happens is we see that there's restoration, there's depth in these relationships. Because when I'm honest, when I'm real, others are free to be honest and real. And now our relationship goes deeper and deeper. I had a couple in my last church where I served for 21 years, and this was a a, a wonderful couple But the husband went through a time of spiritual weakness, really walked away from the Lord, wasn't honest about it in his small group with with other men, really had walked away from the Lord, and nobody really knew. Next thing we knew, he had left his wife and his children for another woman. The brokenness was really painful, as you can imagine. These men did not give up on this guy who had wandered. They continued to call him, continued to call him, and he began to open up to them. And then because of what the Lord was doing in by his spirit in the man's heart, as well as through this this group of men, he left that woman and was restored to his wife. He came clean completely in his marriage, as he came clean completely with these men, as he came clean completely with the church. And the church doesn't shoot its own wounded. The church loves its own wounded, and it's part of the process of the healing. He was received. He was restored. He was loved. as a a reflection of the work of Christ, and that marriage today is stronger than it ever was before. That's remarkable, that's incredible. That's the power of the Christian community. And finally, seek out a mature group of Christians with whom you can entrust confession. Honestly, I don't confess to everybody, I confess to those who are committed to me in relationship. I confess to those who stand with me in relationship. I confess to those that I know are mature. And I love this passage in Proverbs. It says this, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Confidentiality. So I'm not talking about bleeding over everybody. What I'm talking about is having a group, and I wonder, do you have that group? Do you have those people in your life where you can be real and genuine with, and you know that you can entrust, entrust your story with them, and that they will pray for you? They will give you God's truth. They will hold you accountable. They will stand with you no matter what happens. Friends, that is the power of Christian community. I want to close with this story. I have, um, there's an old movie, it's called Words on Bathroom Walls. Oh boy, doesn't that just make you wanna watch it? Words on Bathroom Walls, it tells a story of a teenage boy named Adam. And Adam was at a school and he was um, diagnosed with mental illness. Word got out in the school. And so the, the, his parents took him out of that school, put him in a private Christian school. And this is a Catholic school. And I'll tell you, I think the Catholic, Catholics do this much better than we do as Protestants. Now, we don't believe as Protestants that you have to go through a priest to be, and confess through a priest to be forgiven. We are a priesthood of all believers. We are all priests. Jesus is the great high priest. But we need to learn how to do this because there's great power in it. So Adam goes to the school and he asks Father Patrick why we confess our sins. And Father Patrick says this, actually telling someone our sins gives us the opportunity to admit that we are flawed. Sin has flawed us. Shock, shock. We all know it, don't we? We're all flawed. And then he says this, everyone is flawed. But admitting our flaws, that gives us the opportunity and the strength to face them. That's why we confess. Friends, if I don't confess, I'm going to run. I'm going to justify, I'm going to defend what I'm doing or what I'm thinking. I'm going to defend it all. But when I confess, I'm owning it, I'm taking responsibility for it. And then, at the end of the film, Adam shares this. As for honesty, you have to let people discover all your dark and twisty places inside because those are the people that can show you what's real when you can't see that yourself. It can be the beginning of everything if you let it. Pretty profound. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the power of your truth. Lord, your truth just sets us free, and we are so grateful and thankful, Lord, that you have a vision for our lives that goes beyond anything that the world has ever, ever modeled for us. God, I pray for marriages this morning, that they can begin to experience the authenticity and the intimacy that you long for, that walls in marriages will come down, that walls in families will come down, that teenagers will come to the point where they understand it's okay to be real and that we as parents would receive that with grace, reflecting the heart of God. Father, I pray, I pray for us as a church that we would learn what it means To really stand for one another. To really stand together in life and in faith. That we would be very much unlike the world. And how we love one another. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.